What if God treated us like we treat others? Have you ever contemplated that thought that, you know, of course we know that Jesus said, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. We know that's called the golden rule, if you will. But have you really ever thought about what if God treated us like we treated others? I'm talking about in all things. I'm not just talking about in certain aspects of life. I'm talking about in love and compassion. What if God loved us like we loved others? What if God showed us only the compassion that we showed others? What about in the ministry efforts that we have or caring for the needs or checking on the sick or all these things that we can do in our lives? What if God only did those things that we did? What about in our speech and our edification to others, our, our words that we use to talk to others? What if God only edified us as much as we edified another? What about our commitment? What if God's commitment to us was only as strong as our commitment to making sure others know the gospel plan of salvation or that others make their way to heaven, that they know the truth? What if God's commitment was like that for us? Now, I know that God is not a God of what ifs, and I am <laughs> glad that he's not. But what if God only gave forgiveness like we give forgiveness? Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. I want to break apart a parable, if you will, that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus starts in uh, around verse 15 talking about how to discipline, if you will, a sinning brother, how to go to him and, and, and approach him about his sins. We're not going to read through that text, but I think it's very important that we remember that Jesus is teaching his disciples coming off of this segment, if you will. He's telling them that, that you are to go to them and tell them their sin, and if they don't listen, you're to go back and you're to take others with you. And if they don't listen, then you are to take it to the church. And he follows that up and he says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now that verse there, verse 20, is used a lot of times to talk about worship services. And, and I can see that, but I think that you know Jesus is with us any time that we worship him, no matter how many people are there. But it certainly is seen in, in obedience. It is certainly seen in discipline in the church, if you will. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. All right, now he comes out of that again. We, we've got the, the book, chapter, and verse broken down for us so it's easier to read. But if we were just to continue reading, then Peter came to him, verse 21, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, that's what Peter asks. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I'm going to stop there. We're going to think about that, that question that Peter asks. How many times should I forgive my brother? There again, we have to back up to, to verse 15, and we have to see that, that Jesus was not only just talking about Peter and his brother, if you will, maybe you know one of the, the other apostles, but he's talking about anybody in the church. He's talking about anybody that, that offends one another. How often, Lord, am I to forgive my brother? Seven times? What does Jesus answer? He says no. <laughs> Seventy times seven. Now, mathematicians in the, in the house, you're going to say that's 490 times. Well, 
If you go back and you do a linguistic study, it might not be 490 times, it might be 77 based on some other things that you can research. But either way, how many times am I going to forgive my brother, says Peter. 77 is a lot of times, isn't it? So is 490. I think it represents, the number seven in the Bible is to represent completion. And I think that if we, if we look at that and we, we, we take Peter's answer, Lord, how many times am I to forgive my brother? Under completion? That many times? And Jesus says, you know, you go beyond the number seven. It's almost like an infinity, if you will. How many times? As many times as he asks. I think we can see some strength there in that number in Genesis chapter 4, verse 24. We can see the same kind of terminology Back up to verse 19. Then Lamech took for himself two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name uh, and the second was Zillah. And Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And as for Zillah, she also bore Tubala Cain, an instructor for every craftsman in bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Then Lamech said to his wives, now watch this, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. It's the same type of language, but it's talking about the greatness of sin there. Because you remember God said that whoever, whoever kills Cain, he's going to be punished seven times, sevenfold. And Lamech says, my sin's worthy of 77-fold. So the greatness of the forgiveness needs to be measured against the greatness of sin. We all understand that we can sin so bad that we don't feel like we can be forgiven, right? What if God never forgave us? What if God treated us like we treat others? I'm so glad that God's not the God of what ifs because he doesn't do that. You look at a parallel in seven, Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. It's pretty easy to comprehend, isn't it? But is it, is it easy to put into action? I'll be the first one to say no. It's not. We are tendent upon our own lives to hold grudges. You know, you ever heard that saying, well, I'm going to forgive you, but I can't forget it. You know, what if, what if God did that? What if God said, I'm going to forgive you, Joey, but I, I, I can't forget it. I'm going to forgive you for the things you did, but I'm going to remember them one day. <laughs> we can't do that. Let's read on into the parable that Jesus talks about here, starting in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. 
but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you and each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know, I, I didn't go and measure this parable as far as the length, but I think it's probably one of the longer parables getting to the point. <laughs> you know, when Jesus talks about these things, he, he, he puts it on simple levels that they can understand, but he's getting to a much bigger and further thought and point, but it takes him a while to get there. Why is that? Because I think it's easy for us to, to miss the meaning in this. And I think it's very easy for us to, to overshadow it. Well, you know, somebody says something mean to me, I can forgive them a whole lot easier than if they punch me in the face. Right? That's easy, right? Not necessarily. Words can hurt just as badly. But, you know, we think about, well, you know, some sins are smaller than others. No, they're not. They're just as big. Every sin is big. But when we look at this master and this servant and, and the, the story of them together, when we go back and we look and it says he was not able to pay his master the, the 10,000 talents. How much was a talent? Well, for us to understand the thought of that, we have to realize what the, the, what the math was in those times. My understanding was that 15 years worth of wages, uh, or, or that a talent was 15 years worth of wages, so 10,000 talents would be 150,000 talents, or 150,000 years of wages. We can't work that long, can we? <laughs> That's a lot of wages. Now, when you take in the other illustration that this servant went out and he found somebody that owed him, what, 100 denarii. 100 denarii was 100 days wages. That's not quite as bad, is it? So a third of a year, basically, versus 150,000 days. When you look at that in comparison, can you grasp the reality of it? Let's place that in today's money, if you will. $20. You know, somebody comes to you, can I borrow $20? <laughs> Can I? Can I borrow $20? I'm going to stand in the back today. Can I borrow $20? Y'all let me know when you get back there. $20. It's not a lot of money, right, as we would look at it, but it is a lot of money. But what about $7,500,000? That is the comparison between what was owed by the second man versus what was owed by the first man, if I've done my math correctly. That's a big difference, isn't it? If you owed $7,500,000 on something and somebody came to you and said, okay, pay up, and you said, but I can't pay, please have mercy on me. And they say, well, you know what? Your debt is forgiven. Are you going to go to the man that you gave $20 to and say, give me my $20 or I'm going to put you in jail? That's what happened here, isn't it? I hope you're starting to see the correlation there because... What happens here is Jesus brings it back around, not necessarily to a money matter, because money really doesn't matter, does it? 
It doesn't matter how much money we have. I mean, when we die, it's all gone. It don't matter. We can't take it with us. I saw a, a picture uh, a week or so ago that a man that was, uh, was, <laughs> was buried sitting on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle in a glass coffin. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> Why in the world would anybody, I mean, they had to have a crane to, you know, I don't know how big the hole had to be, but they had to, I think he said, said he bought four grave sites to be able to do that, to be buried in a plexiglass sitting on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. I don't get it. <laughs> We're not going to carry it with us. <clears throat> Money is nothing. We see those examples all through the Bible. Jesus talked about that the wages of sin are death. Wages are important to us to live. But you know what? Wages can be deadly as well. And we can look at that same thing with the factor of money. You know, when Jesus came to the rich young ruler, he said, you know, leave everything behind and follow me. And what, what? that rich young ruler, he wasn't ready to do that, was he? he? He couldn't put it all aside. But this money is not important. That's not the, that's not the gist of the parable. I don't want you to get lost in that. What is in the gist of the parable is the fact that when someone sins against us, we need to be willing to forgive them. Think about your sins. If we had to number our sins, not just against each other, but against God, would you be able to stop at 20? Or would you be able to stop at 7,500,000? I'm not asking you to number your sins this morning, but in a way I am. Because what I want you to do is I want you to look at the perspective. I want you to look, I want, I want to look at myself. I want to look at myself and say, God, I know I've sinned against you 7,500,000 times, and you've forgiven me. But I'm not going to let that brother that come over there and smack me upside the head, I'm not going to forgive him. I ain't going to do it. So Cliff, when I leave here, don't hit me. Because <laughs> I can't forgive you as easily as God forgives me. <laughs> Think about that. Think about the magnitude of that. Mark 11 verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Colossians 3 and 13 says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Pretty powerful, isn't it? James 2 and 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, when I think about what my sin means, when I think about what I've done to others, have I asked forgiveness of everything? Probably not. More than likely not. But I hope that they have a forgiving spirit. You know, when, when Jesus taught the model prayer, if you think about it, he, he starts out and you know they, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he doesn't go into saying, well, let's be thankful for our cars, our homes. And, and He does say, let's give thanks. But let's look at the model prayer. Let's look at the example that Jesus said. He said, our Father which art in heaven, giving that reverence, giving that holiness. He says, how would be thy name or holy be thy name? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we, catch this, forgive others. That's kind of a statement that implies that we must be doing something first, doesn't it? 
as we forgive others, forgive us our sins. Is it dependent? I think it is. And I think we have to understand that if we want forgiveness of our sins, regardless of how big they are, how many number they are, what what the what what the sin is, you know, the the you know, some people will measure sin by by the, the grasp of what they understand. The little little white lies is what somebody will sometimes say. You know what? All lies are big, they're huge. You know the big kick now is to uh, to, to point people's sins out and, and, and act like you have none. <laughs> You know, and that's, uh, you, you look at the Bible, you look at the verses in the Bible that talk about the judging, and it's there. It tells you that we are to judge righteously. And we're to pick out these things, and we're to go to our brother and sister, and we're to say, this is wrong, this is what you're doing wrong in your life. But we've got to be careful, because we need to make sure that we are calling sin what it is. A sin is a sin. You know, we see more and more about homosexuality these days. It is a sin, brothers and sisters, let me tell you. I don't even have to go very far in the Bible before I find it. It's there. It's a sin. And for, for us to accept it, to accept same-sex marriages, you know what? I think we're, we're right there with it. You know, Romans 1, the 32 says that if you, you condone these things, you're just as guilty. But you know what? It's not much different than the sin of adultery. Don't let the perspective fall away. Sin of adultery is talked about a whole lot more in the Bible than the sin of homosexuality is, but we leave it sitting on the table sometimes. We're eager to jump up and say, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Oh, it's okay if you want to go out and cheat on your spouse. It's not, folks. It's not okay to steal. We know that. But it's okay to lie. No, it's not. It's okay to go out and kill somebody? No, it's not. Well, Jesus said if you hate them in your heart, you're killing them, right? You've already committed murder. We have to understand the value of sin, if you will, the inherent value of sin, and, and know that sin is sin. And there's no doubt about it that, that we need forgiveness for it. But what God has said here in the inspired word that Jesus told in this parable was that I'm willing to forgive you of your sins. But you also have to be willing to forgive others who have sinned against you. Romans 5, 6 through 10. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone, or some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, we already bask in the forgiveness of our debts. We have already been redeemed, if you will, from the loan that we had, from the money that we owed. And that was the... The, the, the sin. We've been redeemed of that. We talked about it in our Bible study class this morning, propitiation of sins. Christ purchased our souls with his blood. He forgave us our sins by taking them to the cross. Are we doing the same thing? Are we willing to forgive our brothers and sisters of offenses they might have against us? Are we as a church willing to forgive those that are, that are willing to ask for forgiveness? 
you know what? We don't need to shut the doors on those that are, that are sinning. We need to go to them. And we need to tell them what their sin is. And we need to show them how God will forgive them. We maybe can use this parable. You know what, brothers and sisters? If I've sinned against you, I want you to forgive me. And I want to forgive you if you've sinned against me. Because if I'm not willing to do that, I can't ask my Father to forgive me. I can't. We need to keep that in mind. We also know that God is not the what if. And I'm so glad for that. Because what if he did treat me as nicely as I treated one of you this week? I'm afraid I might not be the person that I need to be in that. I'm afraid that if I treated you the way I wanted God to treat me, or that if God treated me the way I treated you, I wouldn't be a very happy person this morning. And that's not right. What if God treated us today with the same pattern the way we treated someone else in the world yesterday? What if he only had that much compassion toward us? What if he only had that much love for us? What if he only had that much forgiveness for us? How would our day be today? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God is willing to forgive us. God is always willing to forgive us. But we must be repentant. We must be in our lives the one that is willing to forgive. We must not be like Peter and say, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? What did the Lord say? No, I tell you, not seven times. Seventy times seven. Whether that be 77 or 490. What if it's 490,000? What if it's 7,500,000? What if it's 10,000 times? Does it matter? It matters to God because he has forgiven us of a bigger burden than we can ever forgive anyone else of. And that's all of our sins. We must be willing to ask, though. We must be willing to, to say, God, I'm wrong. I've made a mistake, God. I need forgiveness. We must be willing to pray to him we must be willing to, to set the things of the world aside. Put them down. He'll pay us back. He'll take care of that sin for us. But we must be willing to do it. In order to do that, you must be a child of God. You can't ask God's forgiveness if you don't have the opportunity to talk to God. If you're not a child of God today, you can't ask Him for forgiveness. You can but he's not promised forgiveness to those who aren't obedient to him. To be obedient means you must be baptized. You must hear the word of God. You must believe it. You must repent of your sins. You must confess the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and be washed to cleanse those sins away in the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. The water's here today. The water's ready. You don't have to be like the, the eunuch and say, well, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? It's here. It's ready. The elders are here. They're ready to pray for you, pray with you. I'll pray for you, pray with you. If you have a need of obedience today in baptism, I encourage you to think about it. I encourage you to make that step, that step forward.
in order to confess Him as the Son of God. But you know what? If today you're living in a life of, of sin that, that you need forgiveness from God, He's willing to forgive. The prayers of the church can help that. But if you've been harboring that forgiveness from your brother, if you've not forgave your brother or sister for something, maybe you need to consider that this very hour. Maybe you need to consider the way that, that you've treated someone this week. Think about it. Is that something you would want God to treat you with? And if it's not, friends, I ask you to implore you to pray to God for your own forgiveness for that. If you have any need today, why don't you come? All together we stand, we'll sing. Would you be free from your